Welcome to Move Forward Radio, a show featuring interviews with physical therapists and other healthcare experts. This program is brought to you by MoveForwardPT.com, the official consumer information website of the American Physical Therapy Association. Learn how physical therapists can help people of all ages and abilities reduce pain and improve and restore motion to achieve long-term quality of life at MoveForwardPT.com. Welcome to Move Forward Radio. I'm Jason Bellamy. Today is the final day of National Physical Therapy Month for 2013. Here at Move Forward Radio, we started off October by announcing the fittest cities for baby boomers in America. And each week since, we have shared the power of physical therapy through patient success stories. Today's episode continues that recent trend with the story of Anjali Alciator of New Orleans, who spent decades coping with the immediate discomfort and lingering effects of severe migraine headaches. You might not immediately associate physical therapy with migraine treatment. Anjali didn't either. She tried almost everything else first, including frequent doses of medication, until her neurologist recommended that she see physical therapist Claire Melibeck for trigger point therapy. Did it work? Here are Anjali and Claire to share the results. Anjali, tell me how long did I start experiencing migraine headaches? I was diagnosed in 1974. I was up in New York, and I thought I had a brain tumor or something. You know, all these I would get like this visual disturbance, and then I would get so sick. You know, everybody was really concerned. They didn't know what was wrong with me. You know, I don't remember the headaches really before then, but once I was in New York, they became so bad that, you know, if it came on, it would like make me throw up. So throwing up in public definitely made me go see a doctor. So he did diagnose me with classic migraine. And after that, I realized several members of my family were also afflicted with the migraines as well. So, you know, they just started treating me back in 1974, which back then the only thing they could treat you with was really just pain medication for the attack itself. And so how frequent were those? Were they always so severe you would feel dizzy or vomit or or did they vary? They would vary, but at least two to three times a month, I would get an attack that would last two or three days, and then I would have to lay down. And so you start getting treatment in 1974, and you mentioned at that point it's pretty basic. Take me through the years uh, and all the different things you tried to, to try and treat that condition. Right. Well, for many years, I just treated it with pain medication. Unfortunately, I was married to a drummer, which is not really great for migraines because, you know, they practice and it hurts. So as time went on, I remember I participated in the clinical trial for Imitrec, which actually was a drug that had changed my life. You know, that made the headaches manageable. But unfortunately, in 2005, right before Katrina, I suffered a cardiac incident. So that made any drug in that class contraindicated. So that's when I really started having problems because the heart medicine they gave me made the migraines worse. And then I didn't have a good treatment drug for it. But in the course of all of these years, I've tried so many things. You know, when when I go see any new neurologist, any new doctor, you know, everything they try and put me on, I've already had. I mean, I've tried several classes of prophylactic drugs, the SSRIs. That one worked in very large doses, but then it kind of, you know, made me, like, monotone as a person, which I didn't like. Then they tried these anti-seizure medications, which also had bad side effects for me as well. I tried acupuncture, acupressure, 
of course, diet modification, you know, at first they tried to eliminate any triggers. I got corticosteroid injections, and those worked a little, but I ended up, she put it in my forehead and it ate the fat in my forehead, so that was a bad one. I tried Botox. That one really was not successful either. I've tried biofeedback, and then more recently I was trying massage therapy, which seemed to help. I'm not sure if that was relaxation or anything that kept my anxiety levels down, but that seemed to work. And then I got this great neurologist. You know, they sent me to her because she was a headache specialist, and she's the one who tried the Botox, the corticosteroid injections. And then she's the one who ultimately sent me to Claire, who does the trigger point release therapy, and... I didn't know if it would work or not, but I went into her a couple times when I had a migraine, and whatever she did, like, would abort the attack. If it didn't make it, I mean, it would make it go away then. I mean, sometimes it might come back the next day, but from the very beginning, I had immediate results with relief. And then as I went on with her for several weeks, I, you know, I chart my migraines for my neurologist. And I could see that the spaces of pain-free days were getting, you know, I was getting more pain-free days between the attacks. And then finally, I guess about uh, maybe two months ago, I actually had 12 days in a row without a migraine. And this was like an epiphany for me because I, I thought about it, and I could not remember ever having that many pain-free days in a row since 1974. So that's when it's like a light bulb went off in my head, and I'm going, oh, my God, this is actually really working. Most of the time in treatment, they're just constantly throwing drugs at you, and I'm so sensitive to drugs. That's why I had the cardiac issue. It was a drug that caused that. So I have to be really careful in what I take. So this is something that's not harmful in any way that actually got something I've been suffering with for over 30 years. It just got it under control. Even when I do get a migraine now, which I, I still do occasionally, but it, they're not lasting three days. Since I've seen Claire, I have not had a three-day attack. So it's almost like immediately the pain was less and duration of the attacks were less. But now, I mean, I am living so much more because I'm not sick all the time. And it's because I have a wonderful therapist. She has so much anatomical knowledge, I can tell, because I know it hurts in me. And her fingers go right to it without me telling her. So she knows something. <laughs> and I'm very, very grateful. And, and that's why I wanted to talk to other people, because I really think this is a valuable therapy that does no harm. It's so hard to find a therapy that does you no harm, and one that actually works. So... Thank you. Thank you all for whoever thought this up and started teaching people this modality because it's, it is incredible. So that's a perfect time, Claire, to bring you in as illustrated by the amount of time it took before Anjali got recommended to try physical therapy. Migraine headaches aren't necessarily something that are associated commonly in, in the minds of people as something that physical therapists treat. How often do you see patients come in like Anjali who essentially have been on the prescription drug merry-go-round, they've tried all these other things and may are kind of starting to lose hope? And where do you begin the evaluation to see how you may be able to help them? You know, that's a great big issue that's going on in the physical therapy world right now is that we have these incredible, I guess we can call them secrets because no one really knows that we do this kind of treatment for, let's say, headache or TMJ pain or dizziness and vertigo. I mean, the, the list goes on for things that people don't 
ever think, you know, off the top of their head that I'm going to go see my physical therapist for that. But this was kind of a personal journey for me from day one. I was a manual therapist. I wanted to put my hands on every patient. I knew that the common denominator with every patient that walks through our door is pain. And pain can be debilitating. It can affect someone's quality of life. And I knew that's what I wanted to work on. And so I I started researching. I started studying pain. And what kept coming up was this trigger point stuff. And there's a for mother in the trigger point world is a woman by the name of Janet Travell. And so she's kind of literally wrote the books. I started studying this stuff and realizing that every ailment that our patients were coming through the doors with, that we had terms for these things, shoulder impingement, patellofemoral pain, IT band syndrome, all these things that we've lumped into these specific diagnoses, all of them had a trigger point source. And so I just started studying. I started using my patients as, you know, kind of the lab rat, so to speak, and things were working. Things were clicking. I was getting patients better, faster, and more efficiently, and it was not two or three visits before they would feel a difference. It was 10 minutes of this treatment, and they'd stand up and say, wow, that's different. And so that's kind of how I stumbled into the headache and TMJ stuff. And I thought, you know what, if this is working this well for a knee and a shoulder and a back, this is going to work for for patients with headaches. And and I kind of, I say headache and not migraine because in our, you know, knowledge of what we had in school, tension headaches were very different from migraines. And what I started realizing just by kind of a trial and error thing is that although migraines are very, very different from tension headache, there is a trigger. There is, there are things in the neck, in the upper back, in the head, and and even jaw itself that whether or not, you know, they're the essential and only cause of the migraine, they're definitely a, a player. And so what I started realizing is that if I could affect that player, I'm going to change the whole cycle of the migraine. You talk to people and people who have migraines, they have a classic cycle and a classic trigger. And I thought, you know, Number one, you know, one of the big things we hear is it's affected by weather. I come in, it's it's a big pressure thing. If it's raining outside, I'm going to have a migraine. Well, that's not something that I can affect, unfortunately, but, but I can start affecting other factors that play into the cycle. And so that's when I started doing this, this trigger point stuff, specifically for the head and neck. And I surprised myself with how incredible the results were. And so I actually had the pleasure of working on Anjali's neurologist as her physical therapist and I picked her brain and I told her I kept feeding her all of this stuff about this trigger point stuff and I gave her things to read and I said let me try on some of your patients let me see if this can work and we have not looked back I mean we're like the dream team for headaches right now and it's working it's phenomenal so when somebody like Anjali comes in and she has a migraine she's complaining of this how do you start assessing what you need to do or do you just dive in what what does that trigger point treatment look like That's a great question. You know, most of the time I I have a general process of an initial evaluation. But for headaches specifically, and really all patients that I see pain-wise, there's a lot of specific questions I ask for pain. When do you have the pain? What triggers the pain? What does the pain feel like? Where is it? You know, those sort of things. And, And you really start to get a pattern of if, you know, if you know this patient says, I have pain right above my right eye or right in my right ear or, you know, there's a very particular pattern to these 
patients with headaches and you start kind of going back to the drawing board, okay, which trigger points start referring pain to that area? And it could be that, hey, three big muscle groups kind of refer to pain above the eye. Well, let's start with those three, you know. And so that's kind of what I do is get a baseline of pain, the cycles of their pain, when they're having pain, the frequency and duration. But day one, and Anjali can attest to this, I'm not someone who does a full hour of evaluation and just kind of monitoring the patient. I'm going to put my hands on them day one within five minutes. And that's how we start figuring out what the culprit is. And so that's kind of the initial evaluation process. And then after that, I come in every day there. The first phase of rehab is heavy manual-based. And I lay them down. We get right into treatment. My hands start poking around and seeing what kind of triggers we can find. And, you know, trigger point therapy is a very specific treatment. And you don't go and just kind of do a little frou-frou massage or you don't stretch the trigger point. There's a very particular system to it where you hold a good steady pressure on that trigger point till you feel the fibers kind of start to release under your hand. And usually at that same time, the patient starts to say, you know what, it's easing up a little bit. And so after you do this on hundreds of thousands of patients, you start to get kind of a rhythm for it. Anjali, what do you remember about your initial visit? How immediately did you feel relief? Well, I just remember I was happy to try something I hadn't tried before, and I did have faith in my neurologist because she was just so smart, uh, unlike other doctors. She didn't have tunnel vision. You know, she just was open to anything might help. So I, I went in with an open mind, and what amazed me is through the course of different attacks, I would find myself pressing these points on my neck or my shoulders, and I don't know why it had anything to do with my head, but if I pressed it really hard, it would kind of hurt bad but make the pain in my head feel less. When I went to Claire the very first time, her fingers went right to those spots that I had been actually compressing and rubbing myself. So, I mean, that's when I realized there was something anatomical in there, you know, for her to know where to go or to be able to actually physically feel and palpate where my problem was because when she would press on it, certain areas, it would refer exactly to some of the worst components of the pain of the migraine, especially, you know, right by the eyebrows and over the eye and also up the back of my neck. That was also like a secondary component to the, the vascular throbbing on the inside, but that's just it with the migraine. Once it started, it would just get worse and worse and then involve muscles, and then the nerves in my entire head and shoulders seemed to be irritated. So when she started palpating me the first time when I left there, the pain was so diminished, it went from a 9.5 down to a 1. Wow just with her manipulation. So I don't know why. <laughs> I'm just happy that it worked. And like I said, I just trusted her, you know. And, you know, she's just a great therapist. You know, she's very intuitive about and compassionate. Sometimes you see all these doctors, and they're not very intuitive or not very compassionate. I don't know if all physical therapists are like that, but maybe only the good ones, <laughs> you know. But I just know what she did worked from the second she started working on me. Are the sessions themselves painful for you in any way? So in other words, you get the relief, but in the process, when she's working on you, when she's pressing different areas on you, is that creating an initial pain, and, and how painful is that? Well, from my recollection, the first couple of times she treated me, I don't remember any pain. I remember it just felt great. It made me feel better. Now, like I said, the trigger points that I used to press on myself, I would hurt myself pressing on them because they do kind of hurt exquisitely, but the pain of that 
counteracts the pain in your head, so it takes the focus out of your head. I, I can't explain that. It's kind of like a distraction of the pain, the sensory system. So some of the areas that she does press on are exquisitely tender. But while she's pressing on them, I still get a feeling that it's a productive pain, that when she stops what I consider painful at the moment, I feel better immediately after. So I think the muscle that gives me the most intense pain, I believe, is the scalene, which mine are really, really tight. But any pain that she gives me, I'm happy to endure because the end result is definitely worth any pain I feel at the very moment. Claire, are there popular or common, I guess I should say, trigger points for all headaches, or do they really vary depending on where the patient is feeling the symptoms? Well, that's a great question, and, you know, I think that every patient is different, and that's, you know, that's just something that I've kind of picked up over time. In my head, you know, there are kind of some major go-to muscles. You know, the sternocleidomastoid, I call it the headache muscle. You can really grab that stuff on just about anybody, even someone not having headaches, and it'll kind of refer that same pattern. That one, definitely the upper trap, which, as anyone can recall, anytime we have any kind of stress in our life, the upper traps get super tight and those kind of things. And then also just kind of the suboccipital and paraspinals. And so it really varies, you know, and I I kind of have a, a little process of what I go through when I'm initially palpating somebody's cervical spine and you know I'll kind of go down the back and then work my way around to the front and just to kind of follow up if I can on what Anjali had said you know the trigger point therapy is and can be very painful I find that Anjali because of her history of all of the things that she's been through with these headaches she's extremely knowledgeable about her body and about medicine and just things that one can do and even in pain She's very knowledgeable about pain in general, and not everyone is like that. There are people out there that don't understand pain very well, and they don't cope with pain very well. And so, you know, we were kind of a match made in heaven in the sense that when I started manipulating these things, would may be extremely painful to someone, she knew right off the bat, this is productive. I know that you're palpating something that's referring my exact headache, and instead of her kind of running from that and saying, you're causing my headache, she stuck with and was like, I know this is productive because the second you hold it long enough, it starts to fade away. And and I think that's something really important. So this treatment is extremely effective. It takes a lot of knowledge. It takes a lot of education from the therapist to the patient. And I will still get patients, you know, a couple of weeks of really intense education and trying to get them to understand of this is the process of how the trigger point is going to start to release and it's going to be extremely painful at first, but the light at the end of the tunnel is incredible. And if some people, you know, and and I don't blame them because if you've been in pain for an extended period of time, to hear that what I might do may cause you pain, some people just can't get on board with that. And I understand that. And that's a big hurdle that I'll continue to kind of work through and try to figure out how I can really encourage and explain the, the whole process to patients to get them to really kind of get on board. But there's something that I tell every single patient that I work on, and it's when it comes to some dysfunction in your body, you think of it as an old closet that's stuffed to the brim with just crap. And to kind of get that closet organized, you literally have to just take it all out and throw it everywhere and mess it up only to put it back very carefully and in an organized manner. And you kind of think about that with this trigger point therapy is that it may, for an initial period of time, may make you feel a little bit crazy and, and maybe even worse. It doesn't happen often that they feel worse, but it may just start stirring up some things. But the end result is 
incredible, you know, if, if you can stick by my side through it. So when you are palpating a muscle, how intense will or long will a session be? So you're working on one trigger point for, are we talking seconds, are we talking minutes? How long might someone have to endure that initial burst of pain looking forward to the, the muscle relaxing and the, re- and the release? Yeah, so that's a great question. Every person is different. I find that the longer you've held on to a trigger point, um, which can be years and years and years for most of us, the more difficult sometimes it is to release. But generally, you're going to see a release within the first 5 to 60 seconds, okay? If I'm working on someone and I'm palpating and I find, you know, a trigger point, to me it's going to feel like either a, a very tight palpable band or like a knot, you know, some to the lay person we say, oh, you, you know, you've got a lot of knots in your shoulders or something like that. But when I get on that spot, what will happen is the pain will intense intensify at first. It can be anywhere from intensify to all the way up to a 10 out of 10, you know, where people are like, okay, I need a, I need a break here. Or it just may be like, okay, that's more intense, maybe a 7, but I can stick with it. And within 5 seconds to about 60 seconds at the longest, you know, the, the most difficult trigger points I've fought, they're going to start to see that pain almost immediately start to dissipate. And the thing about what a trigger point is, if you think of a muscle belly having several hundred fibers, little individual fibers, a trigger point can be in one fiber or a few fibers versus what we think of the muscle spasm, for instance, a charley horse in your calf. The whole muscle belly gets recruited. It's extremely intense, but in a couple of minutes, what happens is muscle runs out of energy, and so it, it no longer can contract like that. But the difference between that and a trigger point is it never runs out of energy. It's because it's so low grade and it's only within a few fibers, it's got a constant feed of that ATP. And so you can have trigger points that stay in your body for for years, for your whole life. And, you know, there's a difference between like a latent, what we call a latent trigger point versus an active trigger point. An active trigger point is at that moment causing you pain, some sort of referred pain situation. A latent trigger point means it's in there and it's hiding and it just takes one stressor, whether that's an emotional stressor, a physical stressor, physical trauma to the body, or an emotional stressor. And that, that can all of a sudden cause that latent trigger point to become active. The best example of that is like the ones in your upper trap where all of us have these latent trigger points there, but all of a sudden we have two weeks of a super busy, super stressful work, and now all of a sudden we've got headaches, we've got tension in our shoulders, that sort of thing. When you look back, you mentioned that all patients are different. When you look back at Anjali's cases, you mentioned she was a remarkable patient in terms of the amount of pain she could endure in the moment, realizing it was productive. But as her recovery, her transformation from someone who was living with a lot of pain and a lot of frequent pain to someone who's not, is that unusual or is that fairly typical in your experience? No, I I think Anjali and I were both kind of surprised at how it played out because when she first came in, and I'm, I'm sitting with someone with over 30 years of pain, pretty much you know, weekly, if not daily, and and maybe not having a migraine daily, but she did note that there was cervical tension daily, or, you know, always, my neck always felt stiff, or my shoulders always felt tight, you know, but some sort of pain or dysfunctional feeling almost daily for 30 years, my first thought was, okay, you know, you're good, Claire, but how good are you kind of thing. So what I ultimately say for every patient, my first goal is getting the pain less intense and less frequent. And so to each person, that's going to be different. So a person who has a headache every week, you know, once a week, then let's try to get it maybe once every two weeks. 
in her case, I just thought, man, if we can get these headaches to not last three days, and then also what she failed to say earlier was she'd have a migraine for three days, and then the two days following it was she was exhausted, completely fatigued, com- you know, unable to do anything. So if I, I thought, you know, okay, if I can get these headaches to maybe only last a day or two and then the recovery day to be less, then that's what I was hoping for. And so we almost surprised ourselves by just how good we did with it. And and really every person is, is going to be different. I've treated patients with migraines that had headaches every day, every month, and left me without headaches at all. And I knew kind of from the beginning that that might not be the most realistic goal for Anjali. And she was okay with that. I think she just said, you know, she just wanted, if you can just give me a week without a headache or have my migraine last a day instead, you know, that's, I think she was good with any of that. So, Anjali, I want to close by asking how different your life is now compared to to what it was. And, And I want to start doing that by just asking you, are you continuing to get therapy for your headaches? Is it a constant management from here for the rest of your life? And how often are you getting therapy? Well, I've been going twice a week. And as over the course of therapy, I was starting to almost panic because I'm thinking, am I going to go back to my pain once I'm finished with her? And it, it was like causing some anxiety. But I think I've actually seen physical changes in myself. On, on this one trigger point, I actually had uh, some kind of anomaly. She called it my alien barnacle had built up over this trigger point. And that the actual physical anomaly has subsided. So I'm, I'm just, uh, I want to concentrate on maybe seeing her once a week for a while, you know, like gently getting myself off of the therapy instead of just totally stopping cold turkey because I think an old habit that bad might want to come back. So I'm going through her. I want to learn what I can do to stop that. She's still teaching me, and she's going to also instruct me in even postural things, I think she said, to help me adopt good habits so that some of these things will not come back. Thank goodness my neurologist is so kind. She totally believes in this treatment, and I don't see how she couldn't because I've had such great success. And I think she will continue to write me orders to see Claire as long as I need it. Now, I don't know if I'm if you if I want to say I'm cured because I still get some migraines, but it's not debilitating the way that it was. So I mean I am able to do things now. Like she said, the biggest thing is to get rid of the three day headache so that now I'm not suffering for two days feeling like a wrung out dish rag after the three day migraine. I mean, making that three day into one day in effect gives me five good days. So I don't know why it works or how it were, I just want to continue to feel well. And I know, you know, with her guidance and my doctor's guidance, hopefully I'll never go back to the way I was for the last 30 years. And I'm totally optimistic because I just know that this has really helped me. I think it will help other people. And I think because it is a new therapy, relatively new, I don't think we quite know, is it going to last? You know, do you need to have maintenance visits to keep up the good work? That I really don't know. But I just have an open mind to, to whatever Claire recommends, whatever my neurologist recommends. You mentioned earlier that there were things you were essentially retreating from life a little bit because of the the intense pain and and how debilitating it was. So just in general, how different is your life now? How What are you able to do now that you you couldn't before? 
Well, before, I'm a very good cook. I could make even wedding cakes. I'm also an artist. So when my friends would ask me to do something like that, I said, I really want to and I'm able. But if I get a migraine when I have to deliver or when I'm trying to finish it, I just can't do it. You can't depend on me. So subsequently, no one could really depend on me. I couldn't make any future plans because I never knew if I was going to be too sick to follow through, to buy tickets, to go see a show, to, you know, like I said, just be able to help people that need to be helped, to be able to help myself. I could make no really long-term plans, and that's what was really hurtful because then you become your headache instead of living your life. But I don't want to disappoint people, so I have to be realistic. And now I find I'm not putting those limitations on myself, and I'm even going to be able to work at this place that I used to work at before, this beautiful theater. I was a house artist. And I had to quit because I couldn't do it anymore. I was sick all the time. And now they're going to take me back on a part-time basis where I'll actually do something fulfilling. And that makes me feel like I'm truly living my life again instead of just sitting in my room sick. It's just a win-win situation. Absolutely. Well, it's a tremendous story. Thank you for sharing with us, Anjali, Claire. Thanks so much. Absolutely. Thank you. Thank you. My pleasure. To hear more patient stories like this one, subscribe to the show on iTunes and follow us at Move4PT on Twitter and Facebook. A final reminder that Anjali's story might not be indicative of all physical therapy experiences. An input from our guests is for informational purposes only and shouldn't be used as a substitute for individual treatment by a medical professional. Learn more about National Physical Therapy Month and treatment by a physical therapist at MoveForwardPT.com. I'm Jason Bellamy. Thanks for listening. Thank you for listening to Move Forward Radio. Insight from our guests is for informational purposes only and should not be used as a substitute for individual treatment by a medical professional. Learn more about how a physical therapist can help you and find a physical therapist in your area at moveforwardpt.com. For an archive of past episodes, visit moveforwardpt.com radio.